0: On this week's edition of In and Around Durham Public Schools, we're talking with Social Emotional Mental Health Coordinator, Dr. Christopher Soto. Dr. Soto is here to talk about ways to communicate with our students about the COVID-19 school closures. All this coming up on In and Around Durham Public Schools here on the DPS Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Season 2 of In and Around Durham Public Schools, a podcast created to share information, About All the great things happening here with our students, teachers, programs, and initiatives here at Durham Public Schools. I'm your host, Truett O'Neill from the Office of Public Affairs. Welcome. Well, who would have ever thought we'd be living in times like these? If you were to ask me six months ago about the possibility of a pandemic and having to govern ourselves according to social distancing guidelines, I would have thought it to be impossible. Uh, This has been pretty rough on everyone, including our students. It's been difficult to wake up every day to an uncertain future, and it's been a challenge to say the least. Our seniors are struggling the most, proms have been postponed, graduations are still scheduled, yet they could all change depending on how we as a community successfully navigate social distancing. With that being said, it's been a little over four weeks since DPS and the Board of Education closed schools to students due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Overnight, an already confusing and uncertain situation became an even more difficult one to handle. As we move forward into week five, the situation is even more uncertain. We understand that our students may be a little more than uneasy about the future, how it will affect them in the long run. So how can we help parents help their kids navigate all of this? We're here today with us to help navigate this conversation is Dr. Christopher Soto. Dr. Soto is the social-emotional mental health coordinator for Durham Public Schools. He's also the co-author of Everyday Self-Care for Educators, Tools and Strategies for Well-Being. I'm excited to have him with us in hopes of being able to help our parents and students get to a better place during COVID-19. Dr. Soto, welcome to In and Around Durham Public Schools. Before we get started, how are you doing? How are you feeling today?
1: I'm doing really well. Generally speaking, I'm feeling very thankful and very appreciative uh, that we have a pretty safe and secure space, and I know a lot of families and a lot of children may not be um, in in that, in that space. Uh, I'm not going to say that there is not added stressors, because there certainly are. I think as many parents are understanding, I have a four-and-a-half-year-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old, and uh, I love them dearly, but it's also a concentrated time with family that some of us simply have to get a little bit more used to. And so there are some things that I, I know uh, that we're all having to uh, to, to recognize um, about the, the transition. And one of the things, you know, Truett, you and I both uh, just just talked a little bit about Um, about this being a learning experience. Well, it's a learning experience for all of us, and I hope that parents and families will recognize that there's not a perfect way of doing this because it's really so unprecedented that we're all having to navigate this new situation. And So I think that it's important for us to cut ourselves some slack, and I, for myself and my family, am trying my best to to cut us some slack as well.
0: So before we even get into a conversation about how we talk to our children about how COVID-19 is affecting their lives, you have to lay a foundation for the conversation by addressing or answering the question, what is COVID-19? How do you begin that conversation with children? Because that is the catalyst for why we are where we are at this particular moment in time.
1: So I, I, I think the important piece from a language perspective about having the conversation with our children is that we say the words. It is okay. For example, you know, I work with, with children. um, I've worked with lots of children who have lost family members uh, and and we say um, in the, in the counseling community, it's it's, it's important to say someone died. They didn't go away Um, in the same way that I think that uh, we would want to say that there is a virus.
0: That is an extremely powerful statement, and I totally agree. With that in mind, how do you begin having the difficult conversation of how COVID-19 has affected the community and, more importantly, the individual lives of our students, our children?
1: Right. Right it would be difficult, depending on the responses that we get from kids, that will then identify how much we need to have that conversation. And so I would say that if we start having a conversation about the spread of virus and how that works, and then very importantly, as I mentioned earlier, how we can head off and mitigate the the spread of the virus, which does increase the sense of control that we have to the best of our ability, right? There are some things that we can't control, but right now what we can control is making sure that we're washing our hands, making sure that we're cleaning our groceries, making sure that we're keeping an appropriate six-foot physical distance from one another when we do interact. Those are things that we can't control. So then if we continue to have that conversation and if we are being good, active listening parents or family members, then we certainly may encounter an inquisitive child or young adult who may be anxious about more serious applications of the virus, which would include death. And then at that point in time, I think it is important to acknowledge that death does exist, that there are real consequences, and that those are scary. And it's okay to be scared. It's okay for all of us to be worried. What needs to happen then is that for us as caregivers, we still need to continue to be calm and to be reassuring to the best of our ability and then to be able to say, and that's why we're taking some of the, that's why we're taking the approach that we are. We've shut down schools. We're making sure that as many people as possible are staying indoors and at home. And we know that that may be difficult, but that's the way that we're addressing the worst case scenario.
0: I was in the grocery store maybe about four days ago, and a friend of mine had his son kept asking his dad, it was like, hey, you know, when am I going back to school? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: That is something that, you know, a parent really can't give an answer to at this particular point. How do you have that conversation when a a young child is asking a, a question that's really kind of you would normally be able to answer, but at this particular point in time, you can't give an answer for it.
1: So as parents and oftentimes as educators, I think one of the mistakes that we make is that we are supposed to have the answers and those answers are supposed to be right. And one of the lessons that I think, and this is true of uh, early childhood, middle childhood and adolescence, is that I think that we underutilize Really taking the cues from the kids and asking um, more questions and listening when they're asking questions. How are you seeing this? What, what What is this like for you? are you Are you worried about it? And having them have the conversation. With respect to answering questions that don't really have a right or correct answer, I think it is really important to acknowledge that. I think kids understand far more than sometimes we adults are willing to give them credit for. And so I think that we score a point when we say, I don't know, how does that make you feel? Is that okay for you? What, what can, what can we do as a parent and child as family to, to, um, you know, make sure that we're having a, a fun and being safe. Um, I think that it's important in in those situations to um, really hear what the kids have to say and acknowledge that we don't have all of the answers.
0: Should parents feel concerned that they don't have the answer?
1: So there's this wonderful um, tool that I use both in counseling uh, and to the best of my ability um, in my own life, and it's the Serenity Prayer. You know, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And for us as parents, I think the most important line is the last line, which is the action item: mm-hmm. What can I control, and what can I not control? And so. Absolutely, there are some answers that we need to have, but I think that we may overestimate the comfort that it gives if it is obvious that we are shooting from the hip. And so I think that it is important, um, again, to acknowledge that we may not, but the important feature then becomes to say we're doing the best we can to make sure that everyone is safe. So, for example, in those moments, what may be warranted would be what we're trying our best to do is make sure that we are washing our hands, um, that we are, um, you know, making sure that everybody is staying um, away from, uh, you know, from one another for a a period of time. We're not exactly sure how long that's going to be because some people are getting sick and we are concerned about that but we're doing the best we can to make sure that we're staying
0: safe. So I'm figuring at this point, we are going into week five of this um, COVID-19 closure. And I would assume that some of our students, whether they be the younger ones or the older ones, may be experiencing a little bit of um, separation anxiety um, from being away from the greater community, away from their teachers, their schools, their teams, and their friends. Um what is some advice that you can give to parents and guardians to address the issue of being away from their friends and their community?
1: The way that I would really lean parents towards navigating that um separation with their kids is going back to one of the things that I said earlier which is really just listening and talking to them. Um Because again, I think that we're in a situation that is so unique and uh, unprecedented that we can't reassure them to say, it's okay. Because if we say it's okay and they don't feel okay, then we're invalidating the feelings of isolation that they may be experiencing. So then what, what I think generally we would do is ask them, how is that for you, right? Is there something that you think would make it better? And what we're really doing is being in partnership with children. Um, you know, can, can, we, can we design a little bit more uh, of our time with podcasts? Can we um, spend a little bit more time um, reading? Or to your point, it that you made just a little bit ago, are there some people who you haven't connected with that you would like to uh, FaceTime or to talk on the phone. I think that there are a lot of uh, suggestions that we can come up with, but the most important piece of it is to allow kids to feel like they have some kind of control in this really strange space that we're in.
0: What is your advice when it comes to addressing issues in regards to some of our older students that are college-bound?
1: I think that with younger children, we are creating more structure. And we can have the conversations on our terms that, that um, are going to be supportive. With older kids, I think the same lesson applies. It just needs to be, even in my opinion, it's even more important then that we ask question. It sounds, uh, that sounds, you know, I, I, listen, I know that you may not have a graduation that may be really difficult for you, but I'm not sure. What do you think about that? And then be prepared for silence and also be prepared for things that you may not have expected or that you may not want to hear. I know that this for, you know, working with, uh, teenagers for, a couple of decades now, I can tell you that so often, we ask questions that we want a particular response to. And so, when kids are going through this really, really challenging, somewhat anxiety-provoking time, it becomes even more important for us to allow them to set the groundwork for their own experience and share what is real and true for them during this time. Now, that said, it also needs to be fact-based, and there may be some kids who need an additional push or a nudge to recognize the safety implications of their actions, because kids, as we know from some of the scenes that we've seen on spring break, do have a sense of invulnerability that can be concerning during this time, not only for them, but also for loved family members. And so I think that those conversations about how they're feeling first needs to be, how is this for you? But then in addition to that, there's another layer because one of the things about adolescents that is not true for younger children is that they have a mobility during this crisis that can actually be a little bit dangerous, and that is a subject that, does, that, that may, depending on the, on the kid, um, may needs to be addressed as well. And so that does uh, complicate things a little bit. However, I think at the base of every conversation, um, we still need to be accounting for how a uh, student, uh, a young adult, is experiencing something so that they don't feel shut down.
0: This is um, a really odd time because now parents are, uh, I read a lot online about parents feeling that they become homeschoolers in a sense. Um, um, but I really feel like it's more of partner in the education of their kids along with their their teachers. But it's stressful. It's extremely stressful. What advice could you give a parent who is trying to navigate this new norm for themselves?
1: So one, I would say cut yourself through slack. Uh, as I mentioned at the you know outset of, of our discussion, we're all in learning mode right now, and there's not a perfect way to do this. And so I think it's important that we recognize that we do need our own oxygen mask, that it's important for us to be able to stay uh, calm and centered um, so that we're not actually uh, accidentally creating more anxiety than we're resolving. Um, And that comes from knowing when you need a break, knowing if you have young children, um, when to put them in front of the television for a little while and take a a break. Um, those Those are all okay things in moderation. And so we need to be able to step back if we need to. Um, The second piece of of, uh, what what I would suggest is that despite the physical distance, we can still reach out for support. Um, There are plenty of online forums, as long as you are not seeking out information from Bases that actually may be anxiety-provoking, but I know that DPS, for example, has some parent websites right now um, that provide resources, both academic and social-emotional, for parents um, who may need some ideas and some suggestions about uh, how to homeschool. Um, and I would also say that family, uh, faith, friends, Uh, wonderful supports during this time Um, even if they don't have the answers because again we don't have all of them but to be able to get ideas for for example um, what kind of activities you're doing outside my my little ones and I played bocce ball and flew a kite yesterday because it was really windy those are things that I wouldn't have ordinarily had the opportunity to do but um, and they were suggestions from um, from my, from my parents um, about activities. And so I think to reach out to support, for, for support, um, is more valuable now than ever.
0: Well, what are some positive things that you feel like have, has come out of this?
1: So I think number one is increased family time, and I would say in some ways, reduced stress, which I think sounds a little counterintuitive, but uh, I council teachers as part of my work and one of the things that i've heard from them um is a layered effect uh worry about the virus worry about their family right underneath that is i have been able to spend some time with my family in ways that normally i would not be able to spend with them and that has been a really big blessing i can speak for myself and say that it has been a a blessing and it's um you know something that um, then underneath that, people may even feel guilty for saying because it is an unsafe, concerning time. But I think to be able to cut yourself some slack and recognize mm-hmm. that that we may be able to spend time with our children and our family that uh, that we wouldn't other, otherwise have had. And then to your point, I think uh, I've seen some real positive impact in the community. For example, I was having a conversation with a very close friend of mine yesterday who said that um, he has seen uh, a lot of people porch sitting and yard sitting. (laughs) And so there are connective possibilities in the midst of this craziness that I believe that people are recognizing and taking
0: advantage of. Recapping. When talking to students or when talking to our children, listen. Uh, uh, listening is, is an is an active part of that conversation, just listening to what they have to say and just kind of let their feelings kind of guide that conversation. Yeah. Also cut yourself some slack as, as, as a parent because this is a very difficult time for everyone and that there are going to be moments that are going to be extremely difficult. But as you just said, that there's some positives that have kind of come out of this and to just kind of have a balance right, a balance between all of that.
1: Yes, absolutely. I think, to me, those are the biggest takeaways, um, just recognizing our limitations, owning our limitations, but also um, making sure that we are taking, um, taking this in a way that can be uh, reassuring and perhaps even positive for our
0: children. I think I'm going to give you a nickname now. I'll call you Dr. Feelings.
1: <laughs>
0: I'll, I'll take it. Anything else you want to share parting words? I would say uh, no. Well, that's an excellent place to stop then. Well, Dr. Soto, thank you for joining us today on the podcast. It's been a pleasure having you today. I definitely look forward to having you on the podcast again soon. Well, that's it for this edition of In and Around Durham Public Schools. I would like to give a shout out to all our essential workers everywhere We're keeping things going during this very uncertain and difficult time. Thank you. Like what you heard? If so, we encourage you to subscribe to our podcast via Anchor FM, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. And now you can also listen to our podcast via your Alexa-enabled smart device. Just say, hey, Alexa, play the Durham Public Schools Podcast Network. It's that easy. I'm Truett O'Neill for In and Around Durham Public Schools. Have a great day. We are DPS.